within three minutes, I think we'd taken like two grand. And I was like, what is going on? What is now? It's just like, I don't know what's happening. I started this business with 20 quid and a bunch of random sized jars. And I went and bought like a load of ingredients, like a load of oats, a load of different things. And now, you know, <laughs> now we're here. Bex Walker started the multi-award winning all-natural vegan breakfast company called Bexfest in 2015. Like, just know that where you're at is exactly where you're supposed to be right now, and your journey is your own. And we went from turning over about four grand a month to 50 grand a month within the space of two weeks, and obviously had absolutely no way of fulfilling those kind of orders. I've had a lot of trauma in my life from a very young age and no person should ever have to deal with yeah. all of the abuse that had happened. I grew up completely hating myself, completely thinking that nobody loved me. And I was just like, I'm going to love me. <laughs> Welcome to Daring Forward, where we feature ordinary women doing extraordinary things and learn practical lessons and action steps to help you live courageously. I'm your host, Sahar Twesadeh. Now, if you're ready, let's dare forward. What does it take to build a business that can survive a pandemic, a recession, and multiple crises? In today's episode on Daring Forward, our guest takes us through a roller coaster masterclass on how to build a bulletproof brand through community. Bex Walker started the multi-award winning all-natural vegan breakfast company called Bexfest in 2015 after changing her unhealthy lifestyle in the hope that she would be a positive role model for her daughter, Tyler. From selling her homemade breakfast pots at boot camps and tube station drop-offs to winning London's hottest food entrepreneur and successfully crowdfunding over 23,000 pounds, Bex has built this well-loved food company against all the odds from the ground up with her daughter by her side. All right, so I think a good place for us to start would be, let's talk about Bex before breakfast. Who okay. was she? What was life like? Like, just paint the picture and story for us. Okay, so before breakfast, I guess I have to kind of start it before I had my daughter, really. So I was a singer and songwriter. I'd been living in Atlanta, recording an album, um, ended up signing some records over here with a couple of house labels. So I flew back um, and kind of was just working on my music career here. Um, which was the love of my life. It was kind of, you know, everything I did was about music. Um, I always had like jobs on the side. I've always kind of been working on something from a very, very young age. Um, but yeah, and then I got offered two deals the week I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. And then I guess life just changed for me, really. Wow. Um, became a mom, which I, you know, I was at like 23 when I was pregnant, just turned 24 when I had her. And it wasn't really in my plan to become a mom so young. You know, I was very much about my career always, just always, I just love working on something that I'm passionate about. And yeah, so then I had her and then that was kind of when like this new evolution of myself kind of began. Um, I suppose what kind of got me into like even thinking about having a food business or anything like that was just the fact that I had my daughter, I was always, um, I think I had quite bad body dysmorphia. I just disliked myself a lot. I kind of thought I was like, just really fat and ugly all the time. I just didn't like the person that I was. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. And I guess mm. after you've had a baby, sometimes those feelings are amplified as well. But mm. I just decided that, you know, this is a brand new little person and she's going to learn from me and, you know, how I feel about myself is going to affect her confidence and how she views being a woman, you know, 
everything to do with her body. So I just decided that I was going to get into running, started eating healthy for the first time in my life. Um, and I guess these are all the little pieces that just kind of came together before I had her. So I'm very passionate person, always have been, whether it was focused on the music, I can usually only focus on about one thing at once. So I'm really <laughs> passionate about music. Yeah. Then I was really passionate about running. And then I got really passionate about food. Um, and yeah, I guess I was just kind of like figuring things out as always still figuring everything out, but, um, you know, that was kind of my focus. So yeah, music and then becoming a mom and then running and food. <laughs> wow. That is, that's amazing to hear. So mm. you're now a mom. How did breakfast come about? So I'd never planned to start a food business. That was not in the plan. Okay. But um, after, you know, getting into running, I kind of got very like into how to fuel your body efficiently as well. Cause I was like, there must be a way I can run faster. I can run further. You know, I, I was just obsessed with running and I was really looking into food as a, as a way to fuel my body rather than just eating. Mm -hmm. And I started to get like really deep into the research and like the rabbit hole of the internet and, you know, removing certain foods from my diet, adding more foods, trying things like chia seeds for the first time and, you know, all these protein powders and all things like that. And I just got really interested by it. And I realized how little I knew about how food works with the body and like mm. that we actually have some kind of control over like the way that our body functions and the way that our brains work. And, you know, feeling tired or feeling lethargic after you've eaten you know all of these things I'd never really thought about before and I was suddenly like super interested in it so I just started making like healthy breakfast for me and Tyler when Instagram was like super young it was you know before hashtags were even a thing mm -hmm. you know I just started posting like little rip videos of what I was making for me and Tyler using Flippergram, if anyone even remembers oh, that. Yes. <laughs> like you can put the like little videos together <laughs> and, yeah. um, and just started posting them. But I, I guess my community on Instagram at that time, although it was like a very small following was like people that had known me from music. Then it was like the whole kind of like London mum community. Mm. And then on the fitness side as well. So we had like, you know, like people that were into like running, running clubs, fitness, workouts, all sorts of things like that. Um, and it was quite a cool, like little mishmash of a community because everybody knew me for something different. Mm. But when I started posting these videos, I was, you know, saying like breakfast by Bex or, you know, whatever. And then the more that I did it, the more people were like, Oh, could you tell me how to make it? Or could you make some for me? And I was like, oh, this is really strange, but you know, I'll just keep doing the videos. And, um, when hashtags started, my friend messaged me and she said, you can't hashtag it breakfast by Bex. It has to be Bex first. Cause that just makes sense. And I was like, okay, yeah. Like oh, that, wow. that's just like really cool. Yeah. And I honestly think that by giving it a name, people suddenly then started to see it as a product. Um, and cause I'd just be doing it every day, you know, like a little video here or there or a photo of what we were having for breakfast. And, um, yeah, it just kind of was born from that. People just started getting really excited about the possibility that this might be something. And I was probably the last one to believe that it was going to be a business. So I was just so, like, hang on a second. So mm. what you said is really fascinating here. So you, by naming what you were doing, like you built basically a brand unknowingly. 
Right, and exactly. And were you producing it as a product at the time or were you just doing it for yourself? No, I was literally doing it for myself. It was only when my friends started a boot camp. So this was like 2014. Another friend of mine said, why don't you try and sell your breakfast parts? And I was like, oh. what? I was like, this is so weird. So anyway, I just, I'm very much a type of person that says yes and figures it out mm-hmm. later. I'm just like, I jump in head first, have no idea what I'm doing. And then we just roll with it and see what happens. And so I called my friend and said, look, hey, what do you think? Like, do you think I could try and sell these breakfast products at your boot camp?" And I just messaged everyone or I put it on Instagram and I just said, hey, look, I'm going to be here on Saturday um, doing the workout myself. I'm going to bring some of my breakfast parts. Let me know if you want to buy them. They were in random size jars. So I had like 20 quid. I started this business with 20 quid. (laughs) And I went and bought like a load of ingredients, like a load of oats, a load of different things. And I made like four different flavors, like or three different flavors or something like that. They were, some of them were this big, some of them this big, they were all at the same price. (laughs) So it was like whoever came first (laughs) got the big ones and then everyone else had to have whatever was left. And every week they sold out. Like they just kept sending out and then people started showing up from Instagram on a Saturday morning. And I was literally going from like, you know, doing the mum stuff, making them overnight while she was sleeping, getting up at like six o'clock in the morning to get myself to clap on common to go and do this workout selling the breakfast pots, then going to my day job, which was working at a pub that was also in Clapham and then coming home, doing the mom stuff. And then, and then, you know, once it had picked up on Instagram and people were like, Oh my gosh, I need to get hold of them, but I can't get to Clapham on a Saturday. I was like, okay, well, where are you? If you're in London, I'll try and figure it out. And then people just started sending me locations. Can you get to me here? Can you get to me here? So then I was like, I'll do an underground delivery service. So basically you email me in the week, you tell me what puts you want. On the Saturday, I'll do a timeline of I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be here at these times. And it was wild because I put them into a suitcase. It was so DIY. There were no labels at this point, or we started handwriting the labels on like luggage tags. Then I would drag them all down the hill in Woolwich, across, you know, to the, the nearest tube station, and then I would start this, um, this delivery service and somehow it was always on time and people would just come and meet. And these were people that I had no idea who they were. They just seen what I was doing. They were getting excited by it. Emailing me in the week, like, do you think you can meet me here? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, it was the most fantastic thing because I was meeting my customers face to face. It wasn't just like meeting someone. Everybody came with like their personal story. Everyone had like, if they were going through something, we were hugging out, we had tears. You know, people were telling me that, you know, they'd wanted to start their own business and and seeing me do this was like giving them the hope that they might be able to do it. Honestly, all of these things I never had anticipated, you know, never even imagined that I would make money from it or anyone would buy them. It just seemed wild to me that anybody would do but people love the product. And because I'm so like, I really love how things look and I like to make things pretty, you know, people just were really like connecting with it. But they also saw the beginning of this business on Instagram, you know, mm. like every step of the way, they were seeing me do the late nights. They were seeing me be a mum with Tyler. They were seeing me going running. They were seeing me, you know, going through day to day life. And so I think it was just really like a connection 
with a real person that was just trying to do something and achieve something. And so it just, it was so beautiful. Like I'd love telling this story because it was so wonderful and they could have been a load of weirdos you know I could have been going to meet some really random strange people and they were just honestly so kind like just so generous with their time for me and their you know the their comments and everything it was just it was beautiful like it was really so DIY that is (laughs) so beautiful here and I I remember I used to watch you on Instagram when you were at that stage And 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 one of the things I wanted to say as well is that um I found it inspiring at the time because you've Mm. been in you've been in the game for quite a while. When I was watching you, I was in the mum stage myself, thinking and ideating. As my my journey started with like a food blog, and I was into healthy eating as well. So that's why you resonated so much with me. And I think one of the things that I really loved about your story is that. A lot of times the people, the faces that represent business for the version of myself back then, I couldn't resonate with them because it was just, they were so, it seemed to me like they were so far ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you just have this beautiful way of just making it human and you personified it and you, you made it um, accessible to so many women. So that's one of the things Amazing. I really loved. Your, your decision to share, you know, because a lot of people would... And I'm sure you know this being on Instagram, the culture mm. sometimes can be that you only present the finished product. Like you've arrived, you're in the holidays, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're hitting the six figures, the five figure months. And a, you took a very different approach, which was you started sharing the raw, the difficult, the ups and the downs. Was that something that was in, intentional? Was it a strategic decision or was it more of a heart thing? It was definitely a hard thing. You know what it was uh, in that beginning stage of Instagram, it was like very pristine. Everybody was showing like the best side of their lives. And, you know, if, if you looked through your Instagram feed, it was like, why am I the only one that is having like a really hard time? (laughs) Like, why is nobody else? But then the more that I spoke to people and I was speaking to friends and they were going through really, really hard times. But if you'd seen their Instagram feed, you'd be like, oh, but I thought you had this perfect life. And I just really, that, that I just mm. disagree with that so much. And I could see the, the mental health effects that was having on everyone around us where we had to keep playing this, um, yeah. you know, like perfect serene life. And But the reality was absolutely not that. And so I did make a conscious de- decision at that time that whatever I put out was a real version of myself. Mm-hmm. And it was rogue. Don't get me wrong because nobody was doing it. And a lot of people, you know, I had a few people being like, Oh, you know, like that's a lot of, you've really shared a lot because it was more like my personal life and the business side of things. And, um, but I found it helped me so much because I kind of broke out of that mold of having to pretend that things were okay. And it was a release. It was like, thank God I can actually say this out loud and like talk about these things that I'm going through. Because if I was trying to do, you know, oh, this is our founder or, you know, I hated that as well. The things that drove me crazy was like people that you knew were like a one person business (laughs) and they were like, our founder (laughs) says this and the other. And I'm like, come on, girl, that is you at home with your cats and like, you know, you're just like, we're not doing this our founder thing. <laughs> like I was just like, no. Oh, so I was just yeah. like, do you know what? Like 
I love people and I love stories. And I guess, you know, like coming from being a songwriter, um, I've always found therapy in sharing the hardest mm. things about my life because mm. one, I know so many people have been through similar things and haven't been able to find their voice to actually say it out loud or haven't felt like it was safe to do so. Um, and this is something I get messages about an awful lot, you know, people that have gone through really, really difficult things in their life, but never felt like they could say it to anyone or share with somebody mm. the stuff that they were going through. And the more messages I started getting from people saying, thank you for saying that it's been so hard for you because I feel like I'm about to burst like, and you know, and I can't keep this up anymore. And then I started to see that there was a real need for it. It wasn't just like, it wasn't just me being like annoyed by everyone pretending they were having a great time. It was like, like there is really like something here, a connection to people. And I mm. think that really helped to build like the community that we have because so many people that have been around from the beginning are still, you know, following the story, still customers of ours. Um, you know, I still speak to a, some of the people that I used to go and meet at the train stations and acknowledging that where I was at was okay because there are people that started businesses after me and had seemed to excel like so quickly. And I was like, Oh my gosh, am I doing this wrong? Like, is this, mm. am I, am I, you know, is this going to fail? Like, you know, all of the things. And I just kept thinking like, you know, just not stay in your lane in a way, like girl, stay in your lane. It's just like, just know that where you're at is exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And your journey is your own. And what somebody else has got going on has got absolutely nothing to do with your journey and like your process and you know and I just yeah. had to keep reminding myself you know I am a mum I was a wife you know you know I had to factor in all of these other things and be kind to myself but at the same time you're still focused on this journey but my real passion was in this connection that I was having with our community and you know thank god we had that because I definitely wouldn't have got through some of the harder times had we not had that support from our um, mm. followers and our customers, you know, they have forgiven me some terrible <laughs> timelines oh. and, you know, like just, you know, times where we've not been able to get the products for them and COVID and, you know, all of these things would have been a disaster if people didn't know me as a person. If I was just a brand, we would have absolutely, not me, if the product was just the brand, we would have yeah. gone under for sure because, people have just taken to me and they've kind of like adopted me into like their, like their little worlds. And it's, it's just, it's so lovely. <laughs> That's beautiful. You've built a beautiful mm. community there. Um, do you, do you worry then? Because, you know, there's also, there's so many different schools of thought about mm -hmm. how to do business, how to social sell, how to be on social media. Mm. Do you ever worry that by you sharing your your life that people can turn on you or it could like backfire on you? Have you ever considered that? And like, what's your thought process? You know, I, I guess I do think about some of the things that I say and I post because there's, I have to remember, and I haven't always been good at this, but I have to remember that whilst my life is very intertwined with the business, mm. my life isn't the business and like, mm. and the business is not my life. So I have to, be mindful of how I say what I think and I feel because 
I, well, one, I'm not a judgmental person and I'm not somebody who wants to just paint my narrative. You know, I love discussion and I love conversation and maybe just giving another, um, view on something or another perspective. But, you know, it would be very easy as somebody who doesn't eat animals or, you know, doesn't, you know, to be very opinionated with things. But mm. I have always, mm-hmm. or like, you know, for many, or going through a divorce, I, you know, there's been times where I have wanted to say things and like, you know, really run. And I'm learning every day that, you know, mm. sometimes there's been times where I've typed out a post and been like, let's save that for later when we're a little bit calmer and then rethink this <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. you know, it's very easy, especially when you're hurting, especially when you're wanting people to see things from your point of view. Yeah. It's very easy to get on Instagram and be a little keyboard warrior and just say things. But I think yeah, I'm mindful of how I say things, but I always think that the things that are important to me or things that I'm going through, I can speak about them. It's just, I I put thought into the things I say, but I never like pre-plan my posts. My posts that I put up are always, you know, how I'm feeling on the day or like something I've thought of, you know, I'm not one of these people that creates content for like weeks to come. It's very much like in the moment, how I'm feeling and, you know, you know, sales that we've got going on or whatever. And yeah, I just think you just have to be mindful that you, you are selling a product at the end of the day. You know, I don't think... I mean, I'm sure there's some people that don't like what I do. I'm sure there's some people that think I talk too much about any one particular thing, but I haven't had any major backlash, which has been beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, oh, you, yeah. Sh- you shared some, some key things there. Cause I think some of the takeaways that I'm hearing, correct me if I've, mm. if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I think when it comes to sharing, when it comes to talking about your life and sharing, it's almost like rather than sharing in the moment where you're feeling heated about something and mm. um, and from a place where it's more about self-preservation, it's almost like always share content about your life if you're comfortable doing it from a mm. place where how is this going to add value to the person who's right. hearing it, Yeah, which I think is so good that you shared that. And then the other bit is if you're going to have an opinion online, which is like having an opinion online these days is like, one of you the, know you're going to offend someone. Like it's one of the bravest things you can do. So I just think mm. it's it's wonderful that you're saying have have that lens of empathy and put your, you know, try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And it's like mm. if you're going to be opinionated about something, just think about how how is the other person who doesn't agree with you going to receive it? Is this going to put their back up against the wall right. or is, or, yeah. or is it going to make them think and, you know, spur on some, you know, helpful debate? I mean, obviously you can't please everybody as you know, but. You can't, yeah. but it's like what you said earlier, it's coming with that human mm-hmm. feel, you know, and like, and just, just being human about it. I feel like we've had to become so guarded about speaking about anything yeah. now. Yeah that we've forgotten how to just have a conversation mm-hmm. or just to spark a conversation or just an idea. But you don't, even if you have an opinion, you don't have to be forceful with it. You just have to be like, you know, this is why I think you may not agree. Let's talk, you know, like yeah. let's hash it out. But yeah. Okay. So you're at this point now where you are mumming, managing a job at the pub, and then you're also doing the underground runs with the Bexfest, mm-hmm. yeah, DIY Bexfest pot. So I'm guessing you're <laughs> yeah. doing all of this from home. 
So yes. what was the next, like, what did the next phase of growth look like for you? Everything that just, it, I mean, it blew up on Instagram and, you know, mm. everything. And then when the, bo- the boot camp came to a close, I was like, oh no, what's next? Like, is this the end? Like, has this just been a good run? And then um, a local independent shop um, in North London got in contact with me and they were just like, look, we'd love to like talk to you about selling your pots. So I was like, oh my gosh, like, let's go. Yeah. Um, went there. They loved them. We stocked their fridge and I think it was like within half an hour they'd all gone. And so they were like, oh. because people were like, there's a home for it now. I'm going to get there. People were turning up outside this shop before it even opened and the, and taking like the majority of the stock. And so we went from like giving them, I think it was like 20 pots on the first week to giving them 40 pots the next weekend. And then it just kept going. And we were just like, this is insane. Like, and I'd be like, I'm going to be there at this time. And people will come just to kind of like have a conversation with me or come to tell me that they you know, love what I was doing. You know, there was a lady that lived on the road of the shop who had cancer, who was like, these are the only thing I can stomach to eat. You know, I'm so grateful wow. for them. You know, it was just like, wow. you know, I was just like, this is insane. And, and I knew then that it was something very special about what we were doing because people were coming from, somebody drove from, I can't even remember where it was, but somewhere really, really fine. They were like, I just had to meet you. And I was like, I'm so normal. Like, I'm like literally like the, you know, t- this tiny little South London girl and like people, I'm always <laughs> like, you're going to be so underwhelmed when you meet me. It's just like, you know, <laughs> but, um, again, it's the conversation, you know, it's just like so lovely to meet them. So yeah, so we did that. That was going wild. Then there was another shop that, that they had a friend, um, who had a bike shop in, um, Shoreditch and he was like, yeah, bring some down. We started selling them in this, uh, this cycle shop. Um, Again, amazing stories. You know, somebody emailed me. I actually found this email. I need to refind it. Um, and it was somebody who had been over from, you know, like Germany or somewhere like that. And they'd smuggled some back to the country. With them. Oh, and they were wow. like, I just had to like take them back with me because I, you know, I had to have them at home. And I was just like, wow, this is insane. So yeah, so that all happened. And then um, I guess like, you know, there was just so much interest around what I was doing in this like completely wacky way of doing business. And then uh, somebody um, sent me a, a link for this competition that was ha- happening. So this is like 2017 now. Mm-hmm. And it was for like entrepreneur of the year or food entrepreneur of the year. And it was run by Westfield and Levi Roots. And I had half an hour. I was like, I was sitting in a cafe and I was like, okay, let me just put it out. I had no thought that I would ever even get in, in, into the finalists. Completely forgot about it, carried on doing my little, you know, pickups and drop-offs and this was all still from these home. T-shops. Still, still from home, yeah, in my okay. flat. Um, and wow. by this point, I think I had a, an additional fridge in my hallway. So, But we weren't doing any other kind of deliveries or anything at that point mm-hmm. and anyway a few months later I got an email saying that I've been entered into the finals of this um this competition um it was actually wild I went and gave the messiest pitch you have ever heard in your life I literally walked around the stage with this like box of papers and this mock-up of what I thought a oh. delivery box would look like and it was so messy honestly and people were getting up with like lights and music and these videos and like it was I was so overwhelmed by like how amazing everyone else's uh, uh, presentations were and mine was so basic 
anyway, ended up winning, which I couldn't believe. And I actually, because I didn't believe that there was any chance I was going to win, I wasn't listening to them announce the winner. I was sat there, but I was just kind of like, oh, we'll just clap and, you know, we'll leave. And then when I won, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this wow. is like, nobody has given a pitch this bad ever before in history. Um, but they were just like, because I kind of just ended up putting everything down and saying that I can't do this. Like this professional pitch that I'm trying to give to you is, is not working because this isn't what I do, but what I'm going to do is tell you my story and I'm going to tell you what I've been up to and you know, whatever. And they said it was that hard. It was like seeing this real person, like get up and tell this real story about wow. all these things that I'd been through and how I was trying to have this business. And so, yeah, so then that was, yeah, 2017. Um, they offered me a pop-up space in Westfield, January 2018, which we did, which was amazing again, because then people were showing up from the, from the internet, you know, coming to meet me, coming to like buy the products. Amazing. Oh, can I interject here and yeah. just, and just mm-hmm. explain to those who are watching or listening in case you don't know, Westfield is like, I know it's like a big brand, but like, it's a huge mall here in the UK mm-hmm. and Levi Roots was one of the, he was on, um, what's it called? Dragon's, Dragon's Den. Den. Yeah, so yeah. He was a winner in Dragon's Den. I think it was 2007. Um, yeah. which is the equivalent if you're like, if, if you're watching from the U S or listening, it's the equivalent of shark tank. So he's one of right. like a big TV personality now, hugely successful entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. he mentored, you won, the prize was to be mentored. Was it by him? So it was like 2000 pounds, which was Amazing. so much money to me at that time. I was yeah. like, Oh my God. Um, and to be mentored by Levi. Yeah. He's a wonderful character. He's wonderful. I love him very much. Yeah. You know, he would pop down every so often and come see me at the pop-up and it was was just really lovely. And I'd go up and have lunch with him in his restaurant, um, which is weird because I ended up having his restaurant um, a few years later. We ended up like producing our pots from that restaurant, but that's like a whole other story. Um, Oh, I did not know that. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird and wonderful how the world works, but it was uh, it was an amazing opportunity for us. So, yeah, so after the pop-up, everybody was like, we need to get them outside of London. You know, we can't get to London. We really want to have them. So I was like, okay, let me see if I can get like a courier to deliver them. And all this time, it's just me making them, packing them, you know, from my flat between the school hours, rushing back from school to make sure we didn't miss the courier. So February, we got a contract with DPD. They started coming to pick them up from my house, delivering them across the country. Now, it was only probably about 15 orders a week at this point, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of work because I'm, you know, handwriting all the labels still and I'm, you know, doing all these things. My brother ended up designing some labels for us. And when we got those like stickers on the jars, instead of the handmade, it, it went wild. Everyone, she's made it. She's done it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> this is a real thing now. And it was just, <laughs> I think this is <laughs> so funny because I think because everyone has been so heavily invested in these like little steps forward that we made. Yeah. When something happened like that, you know, like just having some stickers printed and it was like, it was just beautiful. Everyone was celebrating and, you know, it was, it was a great time. But then at the end of that year, so at the end of 2018, I did a Kickstarter campaign to raise some money to get it out of my kitchen and finally get like a proper, proper kitchen. And the goal was to raise £20,000. Now, whilst we have a very loving community, it was wild that I thought we could raise £20,000. But everyone was like, 
hard or go home. So I was like, what are we going to do? We've always oh gone gosh. hard or gone home. So you are so brave. And that, oh. Oh I think I'm crazy. Like, honestly, I've come to the point where I'm like, brave is for like, noble people with <laughs> sense and like <laughs> but what I do is insanity so um no, but th- that's what makes, makes life I, I read this meme on Instagram somewhere I can't remember how it went but it's something along <laughs> the lines of like doing certain things could either be brave or it could be stupid and that's why life mm-hmm. is hard <laughs> right <laughs> because it's like which one is right. it you know but yeah which one anyway. are you gonna choose yeah yeah for sure but I mean we ended up raising twenty four thousand pounds so it was Come you know on. it was insane but there were so many times and I don't know if you've ever done crowdfunding but it is no. the most stressful thing ever because you are literally asking everybody you know and their nan for their money and you're like but I need it now but I need it now. So it's like, no, I don't want you to say next week. I need you to do it now because otherwise you're not going to do it. And like you get that first initial spike where all your friends and family and your like close community yeah. or whatever will do. And so you're like, oh my God, we've got like 20% of the total in the first 12 hours. And then you've got to ride out and it's all or nothing as well. Like if you don't make that you get 20,000 pounds, you get nothing. <sighs> so then I was okay. like, you know, the pressure is on, but we had some really, really wonderful people. And because I was posting like, oh my God, like we've just got to this point or like if three more people donate this amount, you know, we're going to hit this target. And people would message me like, I've just donated another hundred quid because I just wanted you to get to that goal today or I just wild. So that was wild. So then January, 2019, we moved into our first proper kitchen and that comes with a whole load of, I'd never had staff before, you know, I'd never been a boss before. I'd never had to lead a team before. Hang on. So up until that point, you were packing everything yourself. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> wow. And between the school hours as well, because I'd have to drop her off, come home, pack them all up. And it, it takes quite a long time, especially if you're just one person doing it. So how, get many, her from school. how many jars were, that, were, were you doing? So like an order is averagely around like six to eight jars so people would order but like it might be 10 or it might be five but you know averagely about six to eight jars into the boxes but then you've got the isolate uh, the insulation you've got the ice packs you've got to like individually wrap them all and it was it was a lot of work and then I'd go and get Tyler from school then we'd have to do dinner bath beds you know she's a very active kid as well we'd be running around together once she's in bed, straight back to production, straight back to making those. Um, and so I was just constantly working like for like five years. I think I was just like constantly like cycling mm. through this, uh, you know, madness. But I always knew that there was something special in it. And it was because of the community and just the way that people treated the product. It was never just like, oh, nice oats. It was just like, yeah. it was always a bigger story than that. And um so yeah, so we, we just, um, I just kept going. And so then we got the staff in like February, I had two people come and work for me and that was fine until we started advertising. So what had happened was that obviously we got this crowdfunding money, but that money, you have to make it sustain the business. Otherwise it's, it's not going to work. So we yeah. now had rent to pay. We had all this stock that we needed to buy. We had these people that I had to pay to, you know, work for me. And I didn't pay myself for like five years. I made myself the last person. So I would pay the very minimum of what I needed to survive out of the yeah. business. Um, and I, I just was like, 
I know that it's coming. I know that my time is coming. Yeah. And I'm still kind of hoping that, you know, like we're still like, but you know, life is so much easier now. But um, in 2018, in the April, we started advertising and we went from turning over about four grand a month to 50 grand a month within the space of two weeks and obviously had absolutely no way of fulfilling those kind of orders. Like at this point, we didn't even have a machine. So we have this like filling machine now that like fills the jars. We didn't have that. We were hand filling, hand labeling, hand doing everything. And there was three of us. And so it was like, what the hell are we doing? We've had this huge influx of um, orders. And I think I learned some very, very valuable lessons that year. And the main one was customer service. Like if you can nail customer service, it doesn't matter. The sky could fall and you will be okay. Because as long as you're communicating with the people that have spent money on your product. And a lot of these were, mm. I mean, 99% of these people were first time buyers. They'd seen an advert run on Facebook or Instagram, decided to buy it. And then they weren't getting their products for like, honestly, some of them were like not t- two months because we had no way. Right. There were like 800 orders and we'd only been used to boxing up like maybe 40 orders a week by this point, 50 orders a week on a good week. Um, so then we had to get more staff. We had to, um, get this filling machine. You know, I've got some wonderful friends who were like super entrepreneurial. Like I would say like proper business people. I definitely don't consider myself a proper business person, but they like, they get (laughs) business. You know what I mean? So I was like calling all of it. I'm crying every day. I'm crying. And then we've got, you know, the opportunity to stock every single waitress in the country. And I'm like, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, what's going on? Like, you know, you've got this great product. And I was like, I, I, I was speaking to the, the, you know, who would be like our supplier chain and like, you know, trying to figure out how we would get it manufactured so that we could do all of this. But But at the same time, I'm trying to figure out these 700 people that are like, not getting their products. And they'd all started emailing like, what's happening? Is this a con? Is this a con? And I made the mistake of closing my emails and trying to get on with the job. Cause I thought if I just keep working, if I just keep getting these orders out, then less people will be angry. Mm. And you just can't run a business like that. And you know, I have to say like learning that then it was the most horrible year of my life. 2019 was the worst year of my life. And I cried for like 70% of of between April and like when would it like April and like probably like November, it was just stressful and I wasn't enjoying life at all. But what that year told, taught me was so valuable because when COVID hit, I knew exactly how to deal with it. So uh, number one, this is when we actually moved into Levi Roots old restaurant. Okay. So it was a really wild time. We had that first unit that we had that we got from the crowdfunding I wasn't getting on um, with the people that were running it. There was a lot of things that had happened that weren't really cool. And I was like, you know, we need to get out of here. And you know how life just happens in a sequence of events where like everything aligns. Somebody got in contact with me that I had met once at like a, um, some kind of event. And he just called me and he said, Beck, can I come and meet you for like five minutes? Oh, mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to you about something. So I was like, okay, cool. 
we met and he was like, he was like, are you looking for a new unit? Now at this point I hadn't told anyone about how unhappy we were in this original unit. Mm. Um, the doors had been smashed, you know, they weren't fixing anything. It was just wild. Anyway, he was like, okay, cool. This was Christmas 2019. Mm -hmm. He's like, come January, we'll move. So we moved literally over Christmas, moved everything from this original unit into this tiny little unit in Hackneywick, which is just across from where we are still currently now. And we moved in there and it was amazing. It was the completely the wrong layout for us. It, it didn't really work, but it was like, it was only meant to be a very short period before we moved into this unit that we are now currently in. Okay. And there was some problem with the unit we were meant to be moving into. So he kept delaying it and kept being like, right, we'll just try and stick it out another few weeks. But obviously with a chain of things, there was somebody that was meant to be moving into this unit that we were currently occupying. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd put it back as much as they could. But eventually what happened was they were like, we have to move in. So my friend called me and he was like, or he came to see me and he said, Beck, I'm really sorry, but we're going to need you to move out. This was on a Wednesday. We're going to need you to move out on Saturday. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? Um, And so I was like, what are you talking about? So I go in to fix it myself. I would always say that, yes, I'm a breakfast business owner, but I am like crisis management strategies. Like oh I could goodness. figure out problems for small countries, I'm sure. Oh my but goodness. I was like, okay, cool. What do you do? Because we have to keep operating. We've still got loads of orders going. We're still advertising. So we have to make this work. So I started getting on the phone, like calling people, like, do you know someone with a kitchen? Do you know someone in East London where we can like move into this space like really, really quickly? No, no, no. And then this lady was like, look, I've got this kitchen. Um, There's building work being done on it. Like, I don't even know that it's like completely suitable for you, but we're literally around the corner from where you are. But it's going to be like 150 pounds a day or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, we can't, I don't know what to do. So I also called the lady who, her name is Rachel Bellum and she is she's an angel of my life. She was the lady who runs all of the food and beverage sites for the Westfield shopping centers. Mm -hmm. And she was the lady that really pushed for me to win the competition. Okay. And I just called her and I left a voice note, a voicemail on her phone. And I just said, Rachel, this is really wild. I have no idea if you can help me, but I need to know if you know anyone who has a kitchen space, we're in this predicament where we've got to move everything in three days time. And we still need to do our operations. She didn't answer the phone. So I left this voicemail. Um, so we agreed to move into this other kitchen that's just round the, round the road, 150 pounds a day. And we moved the entire operation. We get a van. We move the entire operation literally five minutes down the road. We start working there and we worked there for three days. I think it was the next day. Rachel calls me, the lady from Westfield, and she said, Beck, I didn't answer the phone to you yesterday and I didn't call you straight back because I had to figure some things out, but I've got something for you. Come and see me. And basically they gave us Levi Roots restaurant for free for the um for as long as we needed it. Because wow. that um he I think he he'd moved or he'd gone into liquidation or something like that. So that restaurant was empty and Rachel was like, I believe in you so much, like I am gonna figure this out for you and we're gonna we we don't want you to pay for it, we want you to have it for free so you can keep operating. And I was like, What are you talking about? So then we moved the operation from this place that we've already moved five minutes down the road. We then move another five minutes down the road again. <laughs> 
to Westfield. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm calling all my friends. I'm like, I need help. I need people to come and put things on vans. Yes. I need to, you know, do whatever. And so, yeah, we move into Westfield and we're there for like maybe a month, but uh, or maybe not even a month, a few weeks and COVID starts to hit. And you know, when everyone was terrified of dying, all of my staff starts to go into isolation. Everybody's scared. It was me and this one Italian lady, um, Paola, who were left and we were trying to fulfill all these orders and we're trying to do all this stuff. And I said to her, look, Paola, I love that you have ridden this out with me, but I don't think we can operate. So we're going to have to close. Now, the other thing that was very interesting about moving into Levi's restaurant was that they didn't have any functioning fridges. They only had this massive walk-in freezer. Now, at this point, our pots were all fresh. We'd only ever made them to go in the fridge and then we would like make them and then send them out the next day. And for ages, this had been a problem because you would have to have the exact right amount of stock for those orders. And then if they didn't go out the next day, then because the shelf life is so short, because we don't use any like unnatural ingredients, we don't use any preservatives. So I was, we're going to have to freeze them. We're going to have to freeze them and see what happens. You know, like people were, the customers had told me that they freeze them because they want them to last longer. Yeah. And I was like, do you know what? We're just going to have to do it and we're going to have to send them frozen. So we started doing that and that revolutionized the business for us. So not only did we have this space for free, not only did we then get this like, because it pushed me to make a decision. Now, all of these things are very key in like where we are now. So one, learning all that stuff from 2019, all of these disaster management tactics, learning about customer service, learning how to deal with a situation that could break you and completely ruin your business, but how you work around that and how you have to get your mindset, like how you cannot focus on how everything burning around you, you have to focus on fixing and what's going to happen. So all of these little things, I always say that the worst things that have happened in my life have always worked out to be the best things in some way. Um, so then COVID hit. Ugh, I'm getting we chills. We have, okay. yeah. Oh, so we closed yeah. for two months. But what the the reason we could survive is because every other business that had a food premises, and if we had a or any kind of premises, pubs, restaurants, the reason that so many of them had to close permanently was because they couldn't afford to keep the rent. Now we had a place that was completely free that we didn't have to pay rent for and could keep all of our stock there for the foreseeable future. It was just like divine timing on everything. And whilst it all felt like being told you have three days to move your entire operation out of a kitchen and you don't know when your new kitchen is going to be ready. Terrible, terrifying, having too many orders that you can't fulfill. Terrifying. You know, but all of these things kind of led to this situation where we were given the opportunity to survive by honestly, like this wonderful woman who is, Honestly, she, I, I had to tell her so many times, like, you, you just have no idea what you've done for us because had we had to pay rent on a place that we couldn't make any money from, we absolutely would have closed. So that was absolutely phenomenal. We then moved two months later straight into this kitchen that we're actually still in now, but we were sharing with the guy that um, his business has blown, like blown, blown, blown. But um, we were trying to share this space with him and his team. And in the end, he just said to me, 
Beck, you need to have this kitchen by yourself because you just, you're literally taking over everything. Your operation is just like so big. You just can't, like, you can't keep sharing with people. And I looked at him and I was like, I don't think I can do it. And he said, well, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? You need to take this step. And I really, I love it when people are firm with me because I know he would have only ever said it if he believed I could do it. And um, so that was the first time that I had taken on a unit solely by myself and um and yeah it was you know we then got a load of freezers we were like okay out with the fridges we're not doing this fridge stuff anymore we're gonna do freezers and so we got a load of freezers and started freezing the product which you know completely changed the shelf life on our products it completely changed how we could send orders out and you know it was amazing so um, I think I've gone completely off any question you've asked me here, but I'm on a roll with this story now. <laughs> <laughs> so stop me if you need to. No, no, because no, I'm not like even I'm interrupting because gonna... oh. like, it is so good. <laughs> just keep going. Okay. So yeah, so um, yeah, we took it on and um, and it actually put us in a position where we had, I'd taken a bounce back loan and because our turnover was so high, I'd taken like the biggest amount of bounce back loan possible after we closed um with covid with a thousand and twenty five orders outstanding which was the most orders we had ever had in at any one time obviously like phenomenal amounts yeah and um what i did was i individually emailed every single person it took me three days and the first three days that i had off and it was the first break i have taken in five years at this point as well. I've never, I'd had one holiday within that time. So I just said, okay, I'm going to take the lesson from 2019 and I'm going to individually ask all of these first time buyers who have no idea of my story, my background, where this business comes from, Mm -hmm. please do not ask for a refund. I know this is wild and I cannot tell you when we're going to get your pots to you because the world is literally falling apart. Yeah. But if you stick with us, I'm going to make a limited edition flavor and only the people who stick with us are going to have this flavor. And out of the 1,025 people, we only got asked for 25 refunds. And in that time, you could do the whole gift cards thing as well. And we literally didn't lose anyone. Like we, we lost the 25 people, but what people then bought in gift cards topped that right up. And it allowed me the space to have the first break of my career. And it was only when I was sitting in my garden, it was April and it was so beautiful and sunny. It was just so warm. And I was like, I didn't realize how much I needed a break. Like I had just had been on go for so long Mm. that I just didn't realize how tired I was, how emotionally drained I was, how physically knackered I was and it was amazing. And so when we came back, which was the, the June, at uh, the beginning of June, 2020, uh, we, we couldn't reopen the website because um, we had these thousand orders to fulfill. Yeah. So it cost me like nearly 30 grand to be opening again for one month because we had to pay people. We had to pay this rent on this unit. We had to um, fulfill. We had to buy all of the stock, everything that we needed plus do this move from Westfield now into this new unit. Yeah. Um, and it was such a gamble. Like that was the biggest gamble I have taken in this business so far. But I was like, what are our options? 
we close. After coming through all of these insane things with the business, after growing from delivering them in a suitcase across, you know, I just don't believe this is the end of our story. So I took the loan. We reopened, cost me 30 grand for that month, which was just insane. And then we opened. And on the first day of reopening the website, which was like the 1st of July, 2020, after we'd fulfilled all these orders, Mm -hmm. We took £10,000 in sale that first day. And that was the most that we have ever done. And I was just literally like, wow. it was only me and my one friend, Rachel. Rachel was in the office with me. This other, other, it's a different Rachel, but she was in the office with me. And people had honestly been like, when are you reopening? Because I have got no pots left and I don't know. And I was just like, I'm really sorry because we'd planned to open before that, but it just took us so long to fulfill these orders. Yeah. I honestly didn't know whether two people were going to order or whether it was going to go crazy. And the minute that we reopened, it just started going boom, boom, boom. And I kept clicking refresh. And it was like within three minutes, I think we'd taken like two grand. And I was like, what is going on? What is happening? And it just literally kept going for the whole day. And um, I was crying. I was shouting I was just like I don't know what's happening but um yeah but the only problem is when you take such a huge amount of money on one day all of those people then expect to get their orders at the same time so right yeah so the challenges of fulfillment yeah the challenges of fulfillment we had PR companies calling us like we've seen what's happening like you know Forbes want to write about you they want to do this you know and I'm just like I just need to figure this stuff out. Like, this is just insane. Like, little me, who had no clue about running a business or, you know, whatever planning to start a business, this is really happening. And I was like, this is so special. And it kind of just brought me back to that feeling of every step along the way when, you know, people were first asking to buy them, when people were saying they'd stock them in their shop, when people were showing up at the shop before the shop even opened to get them, you know, all of these little stages along the way. These people take in, like, I'm out of their day to like make things happen for me. Like the lady at Westfield absolutely did not need to do that for me. And um, she was just like, Beck, I, I just believe in you like so much that I just want to be a part of this, this story. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to have to message to her actually tomorrow. Yeah. Shout oh. out to Rachel. And you know, like it was just, it was just such a, it's just been the most weird and wonderful journey and just, you know, absolutely wild at every stage. Like, you, it's like there's been no stability <laughs> and I've lived on like the edge of my emotions and my nerves like the entire time but it's been so I'm on fun. the edge of my emotions <laughs> yeah, like, next? Oh my goodness. Yeah. but it's like you know it's well because we've come through all of these times and um you know backed by this community of incredible people and just people that have you know really believed in me And now we're hit with this like energy crisis. And so on Friday, so today is, what day are we on today? Thursday. Last Friday, I had a phone call from our estate management in the unit that we're in telling me that our energy bills were going to go up by six times at the end of this month. So I'm like, you mean I've got three and a half weeks to figure out how we go from paying 1600 pounds every three months to 10 grand like are you kidding me and I had to call him back me and my sister were laughing I was like I just have to check you did say six times and he was like yeah and I was like I cannot believe this is like the best offer you could have got and he was like it is so 
we now have to move at the end of this month. We'd already planned. And I, I see this as more alignment for us and more of this weird way that things work out. Mm-hmm. We'd already been trying to find a new unit. So we've found one that is more than double the size of the one that we're in. It's only like 150 pounds more a month than what we're paying at the moment. So already we were just like, we'll take it. Um, it would allow us the expansion that we've needed. So basically we have not been operating at capacity for a year now because, and we stopped all our advertising and everything because we were just like, we want to focus on the customers that we have and, you know, creating a better experience for them, even though we know that we can be doing more. And we know that once we start advertising, like so many people love this product, all of our new customers turn into like recurring customers, or, you know, we retain so many of our customers because the product is so good if I do say so myself, but, um, you know, that we just keep so many people because they love the brand and they fall in love with the products, but we don't want to start advertising again and get ourselves back into this situation where we can't fulfill that amount of orders. So we've been looking for this space so that we could get a bigger freezer, make more stock and then change how we do things so that we can start sending everything out much, much faster. Okay. And we'd finally got ourselves into this position where we found the unit, we're just going through the contracts, whatever. And then this energy bill hit. So we're like, we have to move to this new unit. But we also have to figure things out because this energy crisis is across the board. It's not just where we are. Yeah. Um, so I'm now back in crisis management mode and I'm just so grateful for all of these lessons that I've learned because I think from what I've heard from speaking to lots of other business owners is that, you know, they're in where I was in 2019, they're crying every day. They don't know how it's going to happen. And I feel like I've got so much advice on this this point because it's like you just can't focus on the burning house. You have to focus on getting out of the burning house and like just finding that route, that one way that is going to make you survive. My so word. we're now in like, um, yeah, So, but we've also got so much opportunity coming up. Oh, my gosh, I can't even talk about it, but we've got some like really amazing talks that we've been in. Um, with an investor in a in a different area and um you know th- we're so looking forward to that like that is going to be so exciting for us and it's been on my vision board for like the last two years so the fact that these conversations have aligned and we can now pivot the business in ways that we had wanted to do before but didn't have the space and it's given us that push to make the next step forward which I really feel like at every stage that's been the kind of the recurring thing it's just been like Every disaster has been a push into the next lot of things today. Mm. Sadly, I thrive in like this, <laughs> in this state of carnage. Like it's where I do my best work. It's where I have my best ideas. It's where I can like really lead from. I really feel like it's just, it's so wonderful. And I've grown to like really understand that like these moments of desperation can really be the making and they can be the breaking don't get me wrong but they can be the actual making of you as not only as a person as an entrepreneur as somebody who owns a business as somebody who has to lead a team and has to guide people and make jobs for people you know I'm now single for the first time in 12 years I'm now responsible for me and my daughter solely you know for the first time ever my sis I hired my sister in November I have she gave up an amazing job you know, to come and work with me. 
And so I have all of this responsibility that is now on my head. And I'm just like, we sat in the office when we had that call and we love, you know, and when I put it out on Instagram yesterday, I mean, everyone was like, this is really bad. Like, this is really bad. This is affecting everyone. Yeah. But if anyone can get through it, we know that it's you. And like hearing that from complete strangers, from people I've never had a conversation with and just saying, we've seen you go through this and we know that if anybody is capable of it, it's you. And it honestly feels like putting on like a, a superhero cape at some point because you're like, even if I don't believe in me or even if I cannot see the way through it, there are like 25,000 people who were like, we've got your back. So good. You can do it. And it's just, you know, it's, I just feel like I cannot fail because of this community. And, it, and the whole story I think of Bexford is it comes back to that, like people just being like, I love what you're doing and I want to see you succeed. And it's been that throughout. And I just feel so incredibly lucky to have been able to have these people with me like the entire way. And, you know, like the fact that I could be sitting here absolutely putting my hair out and don't get me wrong, I'm stressed, but it's because the stress is now, how do we do it in three weeks? Not how do we do it? If you know what I mean? Like it's just, you know. That was was so so good right there. So it's like you're shifting. It's almost like the goalpost shifts as you grow as, as an entrepreneur. So it's now a case of I know I can do it, but it's like the time frame is how are we going to fit it <laughs> yeah. in. So it's like working on those limitations. That's so good, Bex. So good. Uh, oh, how do just... you build that resilience? Would you say like, because a lot of this is mindset. You know, one something that you said that stood up to me so much was you can't focus on the burning house. You have to focus on how to, how to get out of the burning house. Right. Um, yeah. How, how have you managed that process mentally? <laughs> so I would say, and you know, this is the kind of the sad truth of it. I've had a lot of trauma in my life from a very young age. And mm. I guess like from what I knew about people that have been through things, like what I'd been through growing up, is that you've got two options. Like it's, it's fight or flight. And, you know, some people would end up, you know, really despising their lives. And why me? You know, how could all of these terrible things have happened to me? Nobody, no person should ever have to deal with, yeah. you know, physical and men- mental and, you know, all of the abuse that had happened. But I'm very much like it's happened and I cannot change that. But what I can change is how I approach the rest of my life and how I deal with these situations. And I, I honestly believe that going through so many things at every stage of my life, it built this resilience in me and it, it made me be like, we've only got us, like we've got us. And yeah. if we want something, then we have to be the ones to give it to us. And and that's us as in me talking to yeah. me. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but, but I could have been a very different person. But because I took that one step of believing that I could sing or because, believing I could write a song and like actually playing it to someone, because I stood on the stages, I never got comfortable being on stages, but I knew I had to be on that stage. So I'd be shaking and I'd have like the wire of the microphone like wrapped around my arm and I'd be so nervous. And Everything about it terrified me, but I was like, I have to do it. There's just something in me that cannot let this go. And I feel like that's part of my personality is just like, 
I've got no idea how I'm doing this, but I cannot let it go. And I need this and I want this and I want to prove, I guess part of it is maybe proving that I'm capable, proving that I deserve this, proving to these people who probably never even think about me, you know, these people that may or may not even be existing anymore, you know, Mm. probably don't even give me a second thought, but they are ingrained in my life. And like, I don't know whether I'm proving it to them or proving it to myself, but I'm proving it to someone that I'm capable and I'm deserving and I'm worth a chance and I'm worth, I'm worth this. Do you know what I mean? And I just think I grew up completely hating myself, completely thinking that nobody loved me and nobody was capable. And I was actually like completely unlovable and I was ugly and I was fat and like who could love somebody so who has been through so much, so damaged. And I was just like, I'm going to love me. <laughs> I've got to be there. I've got to a point in my life, especially having Tyler, that was a massive turning point for me, you know, becoming a mom and like having that unconditional love for someone and just knowing that I wanted to be somebody she could look up to and be like, that's my mom. Like, what? And you know, it's really funny because like now her friends would be like, your mom's really cool. Whatever. She's like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, the fact that, you know, some of your friends have seen what I do and they think I'm cool. Like that's enough it's for me. Telling, like, that, it's that telling is, you something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's telling me something. And, you know, I just think mm. your life's going to throw a million and one things at you. And then sometimes it's not going to be fair. A lot of the time it's not going to be fair, but are we going to let that stop us? Are we going to let that determine other people, let, let them determine the outcome of our lives, like, and who we become and what we're capable of. And I just chose no, I just said, no, I'm just not, I'm not doing it. I'm going to keep working and I'm just going to, and I think that's why I work so hard as well. Like how I'm capable of giving so much of my time and my energy to something because it's like a comfort to me to have seen things that I've built and I've done. And, um, yes. yeah, I think, I think that's it. Who or what would you say has been the villain in your life or in your story? It could be whether it's something like internal, like a mindset or individuals. Uh, what would you say the villain has been? I mean, more time it was probably myself, you know, like the, the, not believing that I was capable of things. I think me lying to myself, but then I think, you know, I don't want to name people because some of them I have forgiven and, you know, sure. some people, I, you know, but I think, you know, the people that had abused me throughout my life, I think, you know, it paid, it's hard because I'm kind of in this like double mindset of yes, they are the villain. And yes, they did these things that, I wish I'd never gone through, but at the same time, would I be the person I am now had I not gone through those situations and chosen to chosen survival and, you know, to better myself. So I'm not, I would not say that I'm thankful, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm grateful for how I've been able to cope with it. And I'm thankful that, that life threw me challenges that I decided to overcome because I would not have been able to get through 2019 or this energy crisis now had I not built this resilience to trauma and um yeah I think that there's there's been a lot of villains but I would say number one was me to myself for a very long time believing and amplifying these voices that had told me lies and right. so yeah, yeah becoming the anti- I don't even know what the, the anti-villain, like the hero, becoming the hero of my own story. Mm -hmm. 
once I accepted that I could, I could give myself a different life. I could be somebody who I loved. I didn't need anyone else to love me. Somebody that I could look at and be like, I'm proud of you. That even if it was just, you know, not achieving what I've achieved, but even just getting out of bed some days, like just saying, I'm proud of you. Like, and you're okay. Yeah. Becoming that person for myself was was definitely the change of everything for me. It took a long time, don't get me wrong. I was well into my twenties <laughs> before that happened. But that's the work, know. isn't it? That's that's yeah. really hard work, changing that narr- yeah. internal narrative. It it takes yeah. it's it's a slow burn, but it's it's mm-hmm. worth the transformation. For sure. But it's it's very painful. It can mm-hmm. be very painful in that process. Um but you're right, it's so worth the work every single time. Bex, for someone who's listening to your story or watching, Mm. you know, today, what would your advice be if they wanted to start their own journey, whether they want to start their own business or a journey of entrepreneurship or just following their purpose? What would your advice be to them? And what would you say would be the number one thing that you need as an individual? Um, So I would literally say that the, the, what you need to do is start where you're at today. Like do not wait for perfect conditions because there will never be perfect conditions. Yes. Even if it is like, so what I do is I tend to write like your big goals, like the big goals, the big goals, but don't leave it as that when you're um, making your plan because to go from zero to the end goal is too huge. Your mind cannot process it. You will feel like you're failing every single time you look at your vision board or you look at like every time you think about what you want to do, you need to break that down into chunks. Um, and what I tend to do is, so I'll break it down into like, what do I want to achieve over the next three months? What do I want to achieve by the end of this month? What do I, what are the steps that I can take today to get me to where I want to be at the end of the month. So I would do a daily goal. Like I need to get X, Y, Z done today to get me to the end of my weekly goal. And this is what I want to achieve this week. And then, yeah, because if you break it down into those chunks, you Mm -hmm. are achieving something every single day. And that makes you feel good. And that makes you feel positively about your situation. You're not like, oh, well, I haven't turned over X amount of money yet. That that's you, you have Mm. to work. Mm-hmm. with your brain, not against it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something I learned from becoming so ill. I, we haven't touched on this, but I got very, very ill, um, ended up in a wheelchair and used my arms and legs. And, um, you know, it was terrifying. And so learning how to yeah. use my body and not lose your mind in that time, like what can I achieve today that is going to make me feel a little bit better? That's what am I going to do? That you said that because I think just from like, sorry to interrupt, but just yeah. hearing you saying like to me it's amazing because I'm seeing you've learned your mental resilience from that experience mm-hmm. of being ill and now you can see yeah. how it's serving you right in your again business. it's it's just another like time that should have um you know broken me and I just think it's just this mental response of no I don't accept this what can I do to make myself feel better like what can I do and I definitely use all of these processes in like okay so then we need to like figure out how to you know build this plan and feel like we're winning because it's very easy to feel like you're failing Mm -hmm. especially in business like oh my goodness like you are going to fail so many times but you have to remember that every failure 
if you get anything else from me, every time you feel like you have failed or something disastrous has happened, it is a chance to learn and it is a chance to grow. And I think once you harness that and you start thinking about what can I do today to just tick off a few little things from this that is going to get me closer to this end goal, but it's going to, you know, feed into these smaller, more practical goals that I've got. Um, that is, is, you are just setting yourself up for like a really good nourishing environment for for you because when you're mentally okay and you're mentally feeling like you're actively working on something, you're just going to keep doing the work and it's going to be exciting rather than feeling like this terrifying, you know, big goal. So I would definitely say that is my number one thing. Just start with whatever you have. I had 20 quid and a bunch of random sized jars. And now, you know, (laughs) now we're here. And had I not taken that chance, you know, we would never have got to this point. And if I had looked too far ahead, it would have scared me so much. I wouldn't have done it. So that's my, my piece. And I think the one thing you need is just resilience. I think that is, you know, if you, if you can pick yourself up and give yourself a talking to, yeah, I think they're probably my pieces of advice. Yeah. <laughs> my gosh, your story is so rich and I feel like I could sit here all day and talk to you about it. Like I really, mm. I personally feel like we have like a separate discussion aside from the podcast. Definitely. There's so, there's so much in there. Like I've, I've learned mm. so much just from hearing your story, but we need to wrap up. So, but before you go, there's this tradition we have on Daring Forward where we play a game of give me three. Right. Okay. So just this is where my brain stops working and I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't think of three anything ever. Well, let's see. So I'm going to okay. ask you three questions, quick fire answers. So speak before you think. Okay. okay. You ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. First one. <laughs> Give me three subtle ways to tell someone they need to take a shower. <laughs> oh my God. Um, three subtle oh, ways. Uh, um, three set of ways. Oh, is has your washing machine still working? It's it's like a weird smell. <laughs> That's really bad. Washing I don't know. Machine. I feel like I'm so blunt. I'm like, I think <laughs> it's time for a shower. Um, set of ways. Oh, is there a drain that's <laughs> broken in here or something? It's like a really weird smell. I'm really not very good at this one. I'm just, I'm too blunt. I feel- well, you give us two. So a, a smelly washing machine <laughs> and drain. Okay. Um, give me three signs someone is a gold digger. Oh, they're always asking about money um, mm. or like what you're... That's what one. your materialistic goals are like you know they're always concerned about the materialistic side of things and they're usually younger than you mm. <laughs> if this is anything to say but like yeah I feel like not all the time but yeah I feel like younger guys um like if you're an older woman with a business I feel like that's kind of like you're kind of in sugar mama territory and it's really like, yeah well this wow. is what I found obviously I'm dating for the first time in 12 years and it's all a very weird thing for me but the younger guys not too much younger but like the younger guys I've dated are a little bit more like into like finding out where you are financially (laughs) so I'm just like yeah that's interesting yeah they probably have um like a really fancy car on finance and they live at home with their (laughs) mum Girl, I think you called out too many people. Last one. Give me the three worst birthday gifts you have ever received. 
Okay, I know number one. I really hope my mom doesn't hear this. But once I went to, I used to play the violin and I went to a a school trip to Spain with my orchestra because I was like a proper nerd. And it was my birthday while we were out there and my mum had packed my birthday presents and I was really excited and it was like, and I'm, I'm going to say this, but it actually sounds kind of fun now, but it was like an art, it was like an oil painting book and I was like not what I wanted for like my 12th birthday or whatever. So that was like oh, definitely one of them, I know. Okay. Oh, I got a weird jumper one time that somebody had knitted. <laughs> it must have been like an old family friend or something and it was so itchy and disgusting. Oh. It was so gross to look at as well, but they clearly thought I would love it. So that's definitely another one. And then maybe just like, you know, like a standard like body wash set. <laughs> or is that a more what? of a Christmas thing? You know, like a standard like body oh, wash. Like body kind wash. Of, you know, like, oh, you know, yeah. like the gift that you get at Christmas and I think maybe they got it at Christmas and then just gifted it to me so oh like a hand-me-down gift Mm -hmm. kind of situation one they didn't want but thought you might want (laughs) yeah the best kind (laughs) well Bex thank you so much for coming on the show before you leave Mm -hmm. I would love if you could just tell everybody watching and listening where they can find you and connect with you okay so Instagram is our main place to find us um if you're looking for online stuff um so it's at Bexfest underscore and then Bexfest.com is the website, which you should absolutely check out because there's lots of delicious things on there. Yes. Oh, you guys. Uh, so yeah. delicious. <laughs> and then I think Facebook is like official Bexfest. So yeah, they're the main things. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the oh. show. You like embody oh. daring forward. Truly. Oh, I love that. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in today. All the resources mentioned in the show are linked below if you're watching on YouTube and linked in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then I want to invite you to help us spread our message by choosing one of four ways. One, subscribe to the YouTube channel or the podcast. Two, leave a review if you're listening to the podcast. It really helps. Three, let me know in the comments below what the key takeaways were for you in today's episode. And four, share this episode with one friend who could use a little bit of courage today. And if you want to binge our episodes, may I suggest you watch this episode right here if you're watching on YouTube. That's it. Until next time, don't forget to live courageously and dare forward.